Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for May 26th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers. One of the great restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. A quick recap of yesterday's show from the road. We talked about the press release from the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA. It was issued May 24th. 2022 in the CSPOA is calling upon all Americans and law enforcement nationwide to come together in pursuit of the truth regarding the 2020 election cycle, CSPOA.org. And uh, Sam jumped into a monologue highlighting the urgent need for action-based faith and using our greater numbers to affect real moral change. That was our one of the broadcast. Hour two, we had our guest on, Mr. Mark Tapscott. He's a congressional reporter for the Epoch Times, the Epoch Times or EpochTimes.com. And uh, we talked about this incredible story he uncovered. House Democrat representative, her name is Val Demings. And I guess she found a way to be virtually in two places at once. Yeah, I guess uh, she got caught at it as well. Now Watchdog files an ethics complaint about the incident. What did she do? Well, she was campaigning and at a campaigning event virtually. And then she was in the congressional, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, vote as well. And she forgot to mute her audio. And so one bled into the other. And Mark was watching the uh, proceedings for Congress and saw it and went, what the heck? That's right. So there's a group called FACT. It's FACT Executive Director. Kendra Arnold uh, was talking about this as well, saying, hey, uh, in a statement announcing the complaint about this, her campaigning during the official House proceedings also apparently violates the separation between official government business and political activities required under the ethics rules. Wow. Uh, There'll be no accountability, I'm sure, for the Democrat. There is a a double standard. If it was a Republican or a conservative, it would be off the rails, top news. But no one's really reporting on this except for us and the Epoch Times and a a few others. They say we encourage the Office of Congressional Ethics to immediately investigate Representatives Demings and impose the proper penalties if found guilty, she said. So we know she did it because it was on the video. Uh, the problem is you're innocent until proven guilty, right? So you got to take that into court and go through all the process or whatever else. 
So we talked about that in detail. And uh, really the point that Mr. Tapscott was making is, look, folks, Congress is about to be out for the session. They're going to be taking a break for Memorial Day. It's time for you, as your congressmen and senators come home, time for you to meet with them and ask them hard questions. And I mentioned that, you know what, Davos is still in session. Uh, that's the, um, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the big old world forum, world economic forum or whatever. And there's three things on the table in Davos. Climate change, Russia-Ukraine war, and cryptocurrencies. We'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes here with our buddies for the Honest Money Report, Brian and uh, Kelly. We also talked about a heart specialist sees many more cases of heart inflammation since the COVID-19 vaccines rolled out. COVID vaccine blood clots issues may be in the hundreds, he says, but you know what? The heart issues are in the thousands. Yeah. Dr. Senjay Verma or Verma is the one who brought this up. Spot on. More and more evidence coming out. We talked about big tech greets market slide with a shrug flush with cash. Facebook, Apple, uh, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. They're positioned to emerge for the downturn stronger and more powerful. I want to ask our guests coming up about that as well. Yeah, they lost $2.7 trillion in value, and they don't even care. Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple, and Microsoft, believe it or not, acquired 100-plus companies from 2010 alone. This is what I'm talking about. It's crazy town. All right, there you have that. I'm going to save these stories. Uh, for um, when Brian and Kelly jump aboard. In the meantime, I want to talk about this, quote, shooter. 19 children and two adults killed on Tuesday at an elementary school at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. When they say suspected shooter, Salvador Ramos, gunned down his victims. They say the incident is now recorded as the second deadliest cool shooting in the United States, according to CNN. Texas school shooter Salvador Ramos posted about his attack on Facebook before he carried it out. They say after allegedly shooting his grandmother, after shooting his grandmother, Ramos drove his vehicle into a ditch. He exited the vehicle wearing a bulletproof vest with a rifle in hand, proceeded to make his way towards the school. Officers uh, attended the scene, but he got past the officers and made his way into the school where he opened fire. It's a tragic situation. I've got a unique take that others will not focus on. I'll do it in seconds. Who do we got from Montana? Kevin Montana, you're on the radio. Go. Hi, Sam. I I heard you talk about the states that you could move to and that you would only like to live or you would only live in Idaho or Utah. And I just wonder, I know you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. I assume that has a lot to play in your decision, correct? No, it doesn't, actually. Oh, okay. Um yeah, I just. But I am, a, but I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's no doubt. But that isn't really a, a key play in my decision. No. Okay. 
I was just wondering what you would think of Missouri, other than the fact that it maybe gets a little colder, uh, because Missouri, see, I've read an article on the, on the Epic Times about a year ago that a lot of homesteaders are moving to Missouri. Yeah, so I did mention Missouri as one of the third states that I would consider. I mentioned Missouri and Wyoming. But okay. I mentioned Wyoming's frigid cold okay. is part of the problem, and it's taken over by billionaires. The joke is that the billionaires are pushing out the millionaires in, in Wyoming, in Montana. Uh, Missouri is a great place. The problem what is about... it's a lot colder in the winter, and it's super humid and hot in the summer. What about, uh, you mentioned Wyoming and the billionaires are taking over. What about Evanston or somewhere fairly close to Salt Lake if you have to get to a big airport or something? Yeah, that's that's not a bad area. Uh, the only problem is it's a lot colder. And I oh, guess that's the, the true. Question yeah, that I, definitely. The question that I would then ask is what's the advantage of that over Idaho? And, and so now you're you're into a situation where I'm not suggesting it's bad. I'm just suggesting what's the advantage. Yeah. Where in Idaho would you re- relocate, though, if you had to? Where where would you choose? In I- where in Idaho would you want to relocate? Oh, probably southeast Idaho somewhere. Okay. Because, again, you can get to the, to, yeah. the, to the airport quickly. If you go west in Idaho, it's really, really nice. But, again, you're, you're so far remote. That's part of the problem with Montana. Montana's a great state, too, but it's so remote that it's hard to get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, All right. Well, thanks very much, Sam. All right. Thank you, sir. So we're talking about the shooting. Do you want to have a comment on the shooting real quick before we let you fly? Well, yeah, I was uh, very disgusted with Senator or former Congressman Beto O'Rourke for interrupting Ted Cruz. And this guy was an absolute nut job. Now, there's speculation whether he was connected with the cartel. I haven't read that anywhere, but I have heard that. But the guy was a nut and obviously was mentally and emotionally disturbed. What do you think? You know, I'm convinced that the battle's on. The Democrats always want to focus on more gun control. The Republicans always want to say, hey, no more gun control. We don't need that. That's not the answer. But I don't believe anybody's asking the right questions at all, and that's what I'll get to in a second. Thanks for the call, Kevin. So here's the the, the point that I want to make. Look, we're not asking the right questions. All right? We don't ask the right questions. They say he kept getting worse, almost became different. What does that mean, right? Just after 18, he bought a gun and a bunch of ammo, they say. Bought a couple of guns. But how come no one's asking the question, was this gentleman on psychiatric drugs? Right? They say he had a bunch of blow-ups with his mom beforehand. He put it on Facebook beforehand. Look, we had plenty of, plenty of, plenty of signs like we always do, right? But look, I see over and over everything, what we know, all that we know about this Ramos guy. But you know what? I want to know, was he on psychotrope drugs? Right? Everything we know about Texas... school shooter but i don't see if he was on drugs or not medications i got more questions hang tight liberty roundtable live
has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. The 2020 elections were one of the most corrupt in history. See the proof for yourself. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. 2,000 mules, a shocking new movie from Dinesh D'Souza. One mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. 2,000 mules. Join the special virtual premiere and Q&A on May 7th. Get your tickets now. Available only at 2000mules.com. 2000mules.com. Sponsored by Salem Media Group. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. In message one, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44, gave the left evil, spiritual power the more they used the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him, the beast, his power. Revelation 13, 2. The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present-day, end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. All right, live and on your radio, Brian Rust, RustCreditGift.com with us. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you much, Sam. Glad to be with you this morning. Hope you're doing great. You betcha. Amen. I'm doing wonderful. Kelly Finnegan also in the house. Welcome, sir. Good morning. Thank you. Before we get to our Honest Money Report, I'm talking about this shooter, El- or Salvador Ramos is his name. And the problem is I see story after story after story that says, you know, everything we know about the shooter, all that we need to know about the shooter, da 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 da, da in Texas. Now, it's a horrible tragedy. Obviously, that goes without saying. But I don't think we're asking the right questions. We're asking why did he do it. Uh, we're, you know, but look, was he on psychotropic drugs? Nine times out of ten when you find these shooters, not only are they on psychotropic drugs, they're getting some kind of mental health counseling or whatever else. The government always misses all the warning signs. Well, they lock me and you down to where I can't even burp without them having a cow. <clears throat> then um, they lock down, but yet they miss this all the time. So the, the signs are, are the same. A guy on psychotropic drugs, doesn't get along with females, doesn't get along well with his family, has problems, no tie to God, family or country or anything, gets all crazy, goes, you know, kills everybody. And it turns out they're always on psychotropic drugs. They always have some kind of mental health counselor involved. And oftentimes they end up having some ties uh, to government some way where provocateurs could be involved. We see this all the time. But every time I dig in, you can't find the details about that. How come no one's following the patterns? They're just wringing their hands in consternation. They're all running around acting like all we got to do is take guns away from Sam and Brian and Kelly, and the world would be just fine if you did that. But it's all a big lie. And even the Republicans aren't calling the con game out like I am. Kelly first. 
Well, I think if you've got a, a, an agenda that you want to follow, you, you want to keep as little information as possible and get into people's hands. So, um, you know, I, I've actually been the victim of a serial killer. And so I'm not afraid of guns. You know, people, the, you know, the answer there, there were several police officers outside that he actually ran through and got into, and they waited almost half hour, 40 minutes to get in. And one man was brave enough to go in to get him. So there's there's another problem we have, you know, and it seems like their answer is, hey, let's call the police. Well, the police are there to, you know, draw, draw a chalk line after and, and take names. So they, they don't want the information out there. Some people get it that they interview and they try not to talk to them. And others are like, how could, you know, they sell the gun to someone like this? And, you know, if it's legal, we, we don't know, you know, who knows what somebody's going to do with their car. So. That's that's what I got, Brian. Yeah, I agree with uh, Kelly and what he's saying there. I mean, it's not it's not the guns. I mean, we talk about common sense. I mean, what's common sense? I mean, realistically, they can their agenda basically doesn't want to hear common sense because they just it's all their agenda is about taking guns, control of of you know we talk about control of our money system and and control of our you know walking down the street and and you know the virus the control because we have this virus they want to control us in all aspects well if we we own these guns then they're going there could be a dispute against the control perhaps that they're they're uh, you know pushing and 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 the issue is 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 the freedoms that we enjoy as people you know i mean a a, a good person that has good morals and so on and uh you know and calls upon god and 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 is you know Obviously, we have issues as far as problems. Everybody does, but but we're not running around with our guns in the air and shooting people because you know we can. It's it's basically this common sense, and they want us to take that out the window and say, well, if we take away all the guns, you know, then we're going to solve the problems. But we can go to cities in America and say, okay, well, you're not taking away their guns, and man, there's some big problems there, and and it's it's. You know, you, you've allowed drugs to run free. You don't want to go into these Chicago cities or other places because you're afraid you're, you're going to get shot up and so on. But it's, it's the system we live in. You know, a person drives down the wrong way of the freeway because he's drunk, it's, and they find out that he's been drunk eight or nine times, and they've arrested him and so on. But it seems like he seems to be out the next day, and people that do bad things seem to be out the next day because, well, we have too many people in the prison. Okay. We're not building more prisons. We're not. We're just going to let them out back out on the street. So, the issue isn't the guns, but they don't want it. Common sense, you know. They don't want to listen to common sense. They want their agenda, and that's what they're pushing. That's what I. All think. right. So check this out to make my point about a you know this gentleman. It turns out, um, I couldn't even think. I couldn't even talk to anyone. Said Stephen Garcia. That's Ramos's best friend in eighth grade. He said, I walked out of class really upset, just bawling my eyes out because I never expected him to hurt people. I think he needed mental help, Garcia added, and more closure with his family, more love. Turns out that his Bingo. mom used drugs, they say, and as things got worse with his family, he got into more and more interesting fascinations. Now listen. Then it says this. Ramos was frequently bullied by classmates for his stutter and his pronounced lisp, said Garcia, who moved to another part of Texas when his mom moved for a job. He just started being a different person, Garcia said. He kept getting worse and worse, 
and I don't even know how to respond to it. Ramos dropped out of school. So, again, deteriorating home life, mom's on drugs, no tie to God, family, and country. He's got a lisp. He's bullied by other students. He drops out of school. He starts wearing all black clothing and military boots. And uh, other friends noticed changes. He showed up at a park ready to play basketball, but he had cuts all over his face, which initially blamed on a cat. Then he told me the truth that he cut up his face with knives over and over. Valdez said, I was like, you're crazy, bro. Why'd you do that? Now, Ramos told him that he did it for fun. And they say he drove around sometimes at night with another friend and shot at random people with a BB gun. Then he started posting uh, photos of rifles, etc., uh, mixing the gun photos with his home life. There you have it. They say he talks to his mom really aggressively. Ramos' mother used drugs, and so he moved to his grandma's house several months ago. Anyway, it goes on and on and on, but we're painting the exact picture. What made this guy start wearing this black clothing and turn into militant stuff and get guns? And and you dig in and you're going to find out there's going to be psychotropic drugs. You're going to find out there's some mental health counselor, some mental health whatever. You're going to find out that probably government was involved somehow in some way. Okay, It happens over and over, Brian. But yeah, nobody you're, you're talks exactly- about it but me. You're exactly right. I think, you know, I mean, we, there's a lot of, we, there's a lot of mental health issues that are going on in our country. And it's, it's, you know, a major result of going away from God, turning away from God and family and, and, and uh, the, and this agenda just, you know, takes us in a dark place, you know, and, and I believe that the the powers to be, I mean, if, if we're not, if, if we're not really, if we don't have a God and we don't believe in those kind of things and, 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 and charity and, and helping and love and so on, you know, there's another avenue to this. And if I think if Satan and, and his, his minions kind of get a hold of some of these people, man, it's all about destruction and death and, and, and negative and negative and negative. And when it's all negative and there's no love, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, that's what happens. I think people, you know, explode the other way, and look what happens. I mean, but they—they're they, going to blame. It's the guns' fault, though. If you—if if you want to hear that side. Yeah, them guns are out of control, Kelly. Well, you know, unless it's really hard to get information out of China, but I was watching a, a little uh, podcast about that, and how, they have lots of killings in China. At, you know, people going crazy or whatever, but they—they they use machetes or knives, you know, or, or swords to kill people and you know there was a guy he killed like 10 people and nobody could do anything because he's wielding this big machete and nobody has anything that could stop him so if somebody wants to do this they're going to do it you know it doesn't matter what what it is that they're going to use they're going to use something and it's just sad you know i'm not an advocate for suicide but imagine if he felt that way he could have just really you know dealt with himself and not with all these poor kids it's a very sad situation all the way around. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I know we've got Brian and Kelly on for your update on finance for the Honest Money Report, and we'll do that in mere seconds. The reason I bring this up, though, is because it's the elephant in the room right this second. Nobody seems to be talking about anything else. And that's the other problem that I have with these things. Is it's a horrible tragedy. I get it. But when you compare it to how many people died due to, uh, you know, surgeons or, or, or medical malpractice, or how many people die due to drugs coming across the border, or how many people die uh, because we murder our babies, in peril. It, you know, there's no comparison, right? We're not talking about any of that, though. They just want to take guns away from the good people. What if a good guy with a gun was able to shoot back faster? Could we have stopped him? That would be my prayer. All right, hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live in seconds. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt on Wednesday signed into law House Bill 4327 that prohibits abortions from fertilization with some exceptions and allows private citizens to sue those who help women terminate their pregnancies. The governor claims life is a human right. More details about the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Lieutenant Chris Oliveras with the Texas Department of Public Safety says the suspect entered and barricaded himself in only one classroom. We had a specialized tactical team arrive uh, comprised of federal officers, local police officers as well. They made forcible entry into that classroom. One of those officers was met with gunfire. He was shot, um, non-life-threatening injury. And at that point, they were able to shoot and kill uh, the shooter. The suspect was in the classroom for about 40 minutes before the rampage was ended by law enforcement. USA Radio News. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-9336. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-9336. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-9336. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-9336. 800-444-9336. In basketball, the Western Conference Finals has Golden State traveling to Dallas, Texas tonight. The Warriors lead the series three games to one in the best of seven. The Biden administration is being accused of allowing the baby formula shortage to become a crisis. Some states are facing serious shortages of baby formula. A House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee held a hearing on Wednesday to investigate the Food and Drug Administration's role in the shortage. Virginia Republican Congressman Morgan Griffith says the Biden administration should have acted sooner. Was the administration aware that an infant formula shortage was developing for over two years and failed to take sufficient action to prevent the shortage from getting worse? Or were they caught flat-footed? Or as I believe, both. No matter the reason, 
It's not acceptable. He says he wants to know why the FDA didn't act if they allegedly knew about the shortage three months ago. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. USA Radio News. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Russ, Kelly Finnegan with us on your radio. Let's start with the Honest Money Report. Brian, gold. Uh, 1845.60. 1845.60, up a little bit, right? Well, it's yeah, it's, it's hovering around the same it was a couple weeks ago. Um, okay, silver? 21.86. 2186, slightly down. Okay. Uh, where's palladium and all the uh, rhodium and uh, everything else? You got platinum at 949. You got uh, palladium at uh, 2093. And you got rhodium at 16,450. All right. There you have it. You want to respond to the uh, numbers first, Kelly? No, I mean, it just shows that the metals are holding their own, you know, and, and stock market's up a little bit now, but still, they're just holding on. All right. Any comment from you on this, Brian? Well, it's, you know, it, it, the metals are bad. You know, the spikes and, and the valleys and the peaks, ups and downs, ups, day, you know, and downs with the the, the market. And, and simply put, I mean, it's, it's how easily same with the paper money. I mean, or I mean, we're looking at paper, paper spots. That's what they are. And and those uh, peaks and valleys go up and down, up and down. We see it in the stock market itself. Any paper driven, anything manipulated, can be driven up and down and up and down. And these big institutions, who have so much power and control on it, are just you know they make their money based on shorts and ups and running it up and. And, and you know, those Bitcoin, Dogecoin, man, it ran up, and man, people made money, man, when it went to zero, and now it's done, or whatever, you know, they have this ability to do this with paper, and it's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if I go buy all these sticky pads, those little sticky note pads, I mean, they're pretty thick pads, but man, if I could take some of those, and now I got 20 sticky pads, and, and each one is, is such value, and and one minute I got a lot of this value, and the next I throw them on the guy, I have none. I mean, it goes up and down. It could be anything right, that we want to do. But, you know, you know, physical physical metal that's physical that you have, you know, over time, we've watched it over time, has value. I mean, it, it uh, you know, it, you hold that wealth in your hand. It, it, you can, you can it, you know, you're, there's not names on it. No one really knows what you have basically on it. It, it it shows wealth. You can pass that wealth to your children. You can take and move that wealth. You don't have to call someone to do that. And it, it it's a proven a proven fact that it's a, a pretty good investment in that form. I mean, there's a lot of different investments. This investment right now, and you know, and holds its value based on paper. And you can take it, give it, do what you want with it, without major control by somebody else. In, in their in their hand controlling what you're trying to do with it and so in that sense peace of mind um if you need to go buy baby for me and you can get it and you could use some of that metal right hey can Kelly? i throw something in quick sam yeah i i was just saw a, a thing last night that said that millennials um 
they've had three times uh, more buying precious metals and they're buying physical than we're buying crypto because they could see crypto was not being the store of value that they thought it was. So they're actually buying physical, the physical metal. And you'd think, oh, they're buying the ETF, but no, they're buying the physical. So they're, they're catching on. So that's going to be a big factor in this. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. People are starting to learn the truth. They must be listening to the new media taking center stage, getting a clue on, on what really matters. There's a couple of stories from yesterday's news that I wanted to bring up to you, gentlemen, because they're economic-related, etc. cetera. Uh, I don't know if you know, but they're having a big old meeting in Davos, Switzerland, or whatever, and it's the big old, quote, economic forum where all the you know elites get together and debate what they're going to do with uh, us lemmings, if you will. And there's three things on the table. Climate change is one. Russia-Ukraine war is two, and cryptocurrencies is three. I think those all have serious economic implications, Kelly. Oh, definitely. Um, that He's the economist, I think, for HSCB, um, Hong Kong, Shanghai uh, Bank. I don't know what it's called. Anyway, he, uh, he actually was truthful in saying, you know, if, if we have climate change, it's actually going to be really good for people. And, you know, you're going to make between 500 and 1,000 percent in, increase in the year 2100 with all of the things that I can see. And it's like you're not following our narrative, you know, that everybody wants to say with this. And, yeah, the crypto stuff, you know, yeah, governments would love to have that. Uh, my friend Klaus, he loves to tell people how they should live, even though nobody elected him to be in that position. And all these people go there and think that. You know, they're at the, the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, it's scary stuff. If we go to that, it's going to be uh, very scary how, how you have to go about doing business to just buy anything. Uh, Brian, you want to respond to this one? Well, you're right. I think I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's, you know, as, as far as the... The climate, the climate thing. I mean, obviously, we live in a world that, that's changing, and there are things that happens as far as you know our weather patterns, and it's not quite the same. I mean, I remember now we we pretty well have the the four month or the four season cycle, and now we don't feel like maybe that's the case. But it over time, over you know years and years and years, that it's still there. We'll, we'll get big snowstorms, or we'll you know it won't always be the same or whatever as a result of it changing and we you know we know it's changing so but they're gonna their agenda is to grab it and say well this is what's happening everyone's destroying it well it's, it's interesting how we're destroying it we're trying to do our part over here but if china doesn't do their part over there or somebody i mean it's a world thing and aren't we in a world the same world so it's you know we're saying well we better do this to, to help save yeah maybe we should do some to protect but you can't control everybody. It's like this factor with anything we do. It's you can't control everybody. He, if a guy's whacked out on drugs or or has got a bad vibe, he might, he perhaps might go shoot people. Well, we're seeing that. Well, as a result of that, there's other effects. And so, you know, it's with everything. Bitcoin is Bitcoin safe? Are they can they control it? Yeah, I think they can control it. So, but people, oh, they can't. It's it's uh, out there blockchain. No one knows what. Okay, well, they can control it anyway. So it's. It's it's the big cycle, the big game. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's it, it's it's a it's crazy if you ask me. Sorry, well, I'm rambling. I Sorry, digress here. <laughs> I, I was going to stop in. And with climate change, it's like they can't even predict the weather more than a week in advance. What makes them think they yeah. can change it? You know, 
how do you, how much control do you have over the sun? What are they going to do when the sun goes supernova? You know, how are they going to prevent that <laughs> from engulfing the earth? Uh, I right. don't think they've come up with that plan yet. I think you're just going to sell rhodium, Brian. <laughs> that's all you got to do, buddy. That's that's the big that's the big answer, I guess. <laughs> but you know, here wow. you, you mentioned something, Sam. I that I got to kick out. You said, well, what if a good guy got to him first? Okay, but but they don't want any good guys. They want to defund the police. They don't want the police to be there because they're really they don't really know if they're good guys or bad guys. So if we defund the police like they did in other states, how well did that go? How many people died as a result of that? And then they started backtracking. Oh, we got to get the police back. We got to get the police. I mean, it's you know, it's it's such a crazy. You know, there again, I, you know, I like the words common sense. Just a couple words there because some of the actions of of this leftist group and some of their, you know, all these agendas, the Black Lives Matter and all these other things. I mean, realistically, if people are, are just watching the effects of all this, uh, you know, peaceful protesting and all this stuff, it's basically common sense, you know. But no, we, we don't have any of that. And we're just little puppets. We just got to get in line where they tell us to get in line. And we can't make our own decisions or we anyway. They say officers responding to the scene shot Ramos dead, so now he's dead. Again, another classic way that guy'll never talk, uh, telling you his side of the story or what, you know, maybe getting intel or details about what drugs he was on or who he was working with or who was influencing him or neither. You'll never find any of that. But officers shot him dead. And my response is what if Kelly, a good guy with a gun, were to see that and stop it instantly? Number one. Number two, how did he get past the officers at the beginning of the building start of the building in the first place? I just don't understand all this. These are trained officers, and this guy just blew past them like nothing? Well, it's like in Florida. You can see that shooting there, that cop was cowering behind a car for, you know, an hour before he went in. And it was actually a Border Patrol agent that decided this is enough, and he went in and took care of it. It was one officer. The rest of them were outside. They have video of it. They were out there between 30 and 40 minutes, and they actually said he, he went through some, you know, some officers. And, and he went past an office where— you know, if you had some administrators or teachers that had concealed permit that could have taken this, you know, could have ended it very quickly. And you could say, well, but, you know, he had a gun. Well, what if guns were out? What if he was walking around with pipe bombs and throwing them in each room? You know, how are you going to stop that? If, you know, so the gun thing is ridiculous. But, yeah, it's just amazing how many people didn't do their job or weren't prepared to, to deal with him. All right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman on your radio. We're going to come back and talk about big tech meets market slide with a shrug. More in seconds. Kelly Finnegan, Brian Rust, The Honest Money Report on your radio. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. 
With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. I got another story. I want to bounce off Kelly and Brian. Brian Rust, RustCuttingUp.com with us. Kelly Finnegan in the house as well. We're talking about the Honest Money Report on Liberty Roundtable Live. But there's an interesting story that I found. I think it was in the New York Times or somewhere. And here's the interesting tidbit of the story. It says this. Big tech greets markets slide with a shrug. Flush with cash. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google are positioned to emerge from a downturn stronger and more powerful than ever. Turns out San Francisco is the dateline Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and uh, these huge companies literally lost $2.7 billion in the downturn, but they don't really care. I don't understand this. They've literally lost $2.7 billion. No, trillion. I'm sorry, with a T. My mistake. $2.7 trillion in value so far this year alone. But they don't seem to care. Brian, let's start with you on this one. It's insanity. Well, it's the cost of doing business, they say. So, so if they're making, you know, obviously that two point seven uh, trillion dollars collectively from all these big corporations, yeah, there there is some loss. They're going to take some loss, but they also put themselves in positions because of of the power they have, uh, you know, with with products by by bringing up the fact of, you know, just like Elon Musk, you know, he, he gets into a Deutsche Bank or, or Bitcoin or whatever, or even Cuban who jumped in and and lost tons of money on on the Bitcoin little pieces that he was trying to push forward so they're always continually jumping into various things to try to make that you know a home run here home run there and they have plenty of followers behind them you know and and these big corporations and so yeah they're they're bouncing from one thing to another or they've got you know they they gather together and try to 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 go to the latest or the next big thing but yeah that 2.7 trillion collectively over time and, and various other investments and things that they've done, 
you know, grows. And so it, it, you know, they don't lose that, you know, they're making money. If they weren't they're you know, they're, they're onto something else. So. <clears throat> Kelly. Well, they might, the press might say they don't care, but they care. And, uh, but you know, one of the, what's the rule? Don't let them see a sweat. So that's the thing. They can't panic because then everyone else will panic. And it's, but you know, perception is reality. So you have to put on a good face, but, I think a lot of the way they look at it too is everybody's losing right now. You know, we've had a, a little bit of, uh, you know, prices have, instead of inflation, we've had a little bit of deflation. We're taking the, the price of everything's gone down except for goods that we need. So I think they just take it in stride and, and know that it's, you know, that's going to happen, but they, they just can't show the fear. So here's the headline I wrote for this. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google are flush with cash and positioned to emerge from a downturn stronger and more powerful despite the fact that they have lost $2.7 trillion in value so far this year. Think about that for a minute, gentlemen. I don't know how you can lose $2.7 trillion and emerge stronger. The only way I know is with manipulation of, of, of stocks and markets and uh, then uh, kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, deceiving the people uh, and getting government subsidies or government handouts or support or something. I don't see how it's possible to lose that kind of money. We're talking trillions, not millions or billions. Yeah. We're talking trillions, Brian. Well, just if, I guess if you throw if you throw the government in there, I mean they're probably a hundred trillion in debt with all the things that they've got going. So there's another. Let's just throw them in the the group. So now it went from two point seven trillion collectively with all these uh, corps. Uh, let's just throw our government because they, you know, it's an hey, we're we're trillions. So now it, it's really looking pretty ugly at this point. Uh, but the, the key here's the key, you know, that, that that's going to save us. We're just going to print some more money. We're going to print. Maybe we can print. We can print a hundred trillion dollars and get it out there to everybody, so that we can come out of this. That's hey, we got something maybe. Kelly. Well, I think the the only one that's really worried about it is, would be the federal government because now the tax revenue from these people has gone down. You know, I always love it when people say we need to tax corporations more. I've never seen what IBM's signature looks like or Google. I don't know who signs Google on the bottom line of the check. You know, people pay it. So all it's going to do is just make all of the rest of us pay more. The employees aren't going to get more money. So they're, they're fine. And, and now they can go out and buy their, some of their stock back at a lower price. So, yeah, I can see how they're not too worried about it, especially if you're flush with some cash. You just have to hurry and get rid of it before it, starts going to zero help me understand this brian because i i can't understand trillions of dollars in the first place when you put the, <laughs> the the word t in there i just i can't comprehend i know i'm not very intelligent i have a lack of economic understanding and all this kind of stuff but look when you lose trillions of dollars how are you flush with cash without the moral hazard of fiat money that's not even possible if you have a simple mind like mine brian 
Well, I have a simple mind too. I I can't comprehend trillions, you know, and that's why I think that we're we're just we're heading for a disaster. I mean, as far as a you know a devaluation of our currency because I they can't come out of trillions, in my opinion. You know, all the agendas and all the costs and all these things, we're we're just not coming out of trillions. And so, who you know, basically, you know, they can come up another scheme. There's another scheme where we can maybe, uh, you know, create something and, and, and back that, that this new currency by that. We'll back it by, you know, rhodium or whatever it is, and then we're going to be just fine. But realistically, I mean, it's, you know, it, you know the collapse of a, a, a society basically or, or a financial uh society basically just didn't you know, go back in history every country every you know powerhouse at some point even back to the roman era and so on i mean you know fighting amongst themselves and who's going to be who's going to have the control and the power and so on and and then they you know the collapse of that society and then who who steps up who's the next you know what is it is it russia going to be the next step up or is it is it china going to be the next step you know and and you know backing their money and who do we trust or who, I mean, there's, it's just a, a whirlwind, but I don't know. Trillions. I don't know how we're coming out of this trillions. I can't comprehend it. So help me understand without fiat money, without fake money. I don't, I don't think this moral hazard could have even happened. How do you lose this kind of money? 2.7 trillion. And it's not even really a blip in the economy. They want you to believe it's not really a big deal. You know, 2.7 trillion can just be, lost since this year and it doesn't even affect them they're so flush with cash we've got a moral hazard in america like you wouldn't believe kelly oh yeah and, and the way they play it is is well you're just not smart enough to understand it see that's your problem sam <laughs> and my right. problem and brian's problem you know it, it's like the emperor has no clothes it's like well you just you just can't see it you know and and that's the deal with the whole crypto well you don't understand how cryptos work well, that's just because you, you, you know, you're a simpleton. You don't understand that, you know, trust <laughs> us. And so they have all these experts. And so we have to get an expert, you know, who's never had a real job before. And he's going to make a decision, you know, and, and I, I heard uh, Rick rule. He was talking about recessions. He says, you know, I've called 17 of the last three recessions, you know, and it's like, um, yeah, they should happen, but for some reason they're able to keep kicking that can down the road, and and that's all this is. I mean, with fiat, it, it allows you to do this until finally, and now everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's fiat in the whole world. It used to be there were a few countries, you know, but the dollar was tied to gold or something stable. Now it's all they're all floating balloons. All right. I don't really know how to uh, respond to this, except for what do you expect to happen <laughs> in the economy going forward, Brian? I think the swings are going to get greater. Well, I think there's still some, uh, you know, a lot of things that, that uh, <clears throat> are taking place and so on. I think we're writing this out, but I, I think that's one of the reasons peace of mind is preparation. And I think that we, we need to keep preparing. I mean, it's whether it be food and, and, and metal and, and things that have tradable value or life sustaining value, because, you know, I, I, every time I turn on the radio and hear or, or, or not, not the radio, but watch TV or the news and all this stuff, it's, all this crap's being thrown at me, you know, you know, obviously, you know, we look at this, this uh, baby formula shortage. I mean, the, the food, well, if, if people weren't preparing and, and, and in the most sense, we get, we're just, we're just going through life and, oh, 
eat, drink, and be merry. Everything's good. Everything's good. But if we're not preparing and looking after the things that really kind of things that matter most, now we all of a sudden have a, a shortage. What? How come we can't? You know, and so we 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 reach out to the government. What what are you doing? How come you're you're letting this happen? This company can't provide. I mean, you know, we just kind of we can't rely on the government. We gotta we gotta look and and prepare, put our house in order, because if we have our house in order, then we can bless the lives of perhaps somebody else, our neighbors or others or friends or whatever, because our house is in order. We're not panicked. We're not. Oh man, the government's doing. Oh man, this is not good. This oh the police. Oh, it's not good. There's so many factors, and they're going to keep throwing them at us because you know it's it's their ag- agenda that uh, is just whacked out, and so we're going to see a lot more havoc. It you know, in my opinion, but that's okay. We can still be happy. We can still you know love love our neighbors and do the best we can if we have our house in order. If our house is in order, you know, then we're going to see a lot of these guys that that are on depressants and 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 uh, these romos the shooter and so on the guys like that that can't are struggling what do i do i panic but instead of killing himself he's killing a lot of other people and then we're going to talk about it and then he's going to become famous and they'll make a movie about it and then i mean who, i mean it's it's crazy so you get all this stuff i mean it's it, it you know it's like floyd you know he wasn't a good person but he's a famous guy now and he made millions of dollars his family because Anyway, I, I I digress. Sorry, but that's what I'm saying. We just got to get our house in order. Well, like Klaus Schwab says, you know, we'll own nothing and we'll be happy. <laughs> that's right. There you go. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I, I all I can say is this, and I know we go back to this over and over and over, gentlemen. But I I, I will just say it again. I can you get a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver. You need to get a little bit of food, a little bit of, you know, beans, bullets, and Band-Aids, so to speak. You need to get a little bit. Of, you got to have a little bit of everything. You just got to prepare. And uh, uh, hopefully you can, um, in a provident living idea, you can kind of limit your exposure to this. Uh, maybe not 100% because it's so pervasive, but you can do a lot and make a lot of difference. Brian, final words yours. Well, you know, I, I say we continue to pray, call upon our God, uh, you, know, contra- you know, keep ourselves happy we, we need, we're happy people we just need to be happy and not listen to the other side who's really tearing us down there's there's good people in the world thank you gentlemen godspeed we appreciate you there you have it ladies and gentlemen hour one of the can hour two coming up i'm sam bushman thanks to kelly finnegan and brian rust rustcoinandgift.com libertyroundtable.com lovingliberty.net spread the word share the love we declare this nation shall endure God save the Republic of the United States of America. Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that was refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast from May twenty-sixth in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty-two. This is indeed hour two of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property. 
and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. We use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution of the United States of America as our guide. We're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great solutions we have at our fingertips and we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Without further ado, our guest, Mr. Pete Sepp. He's president of the National Taxpayers Union. NTU is the voice of America's taxpayers, mobilizing elected officials and citizens on behalf of tax relief and tax reform. NTU.org is the website. Pete, welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Always great to be here and lots going on in Washington and the states that taxpayers should be concerned about. Amen to that, sir. There's an interesting headline uh, on uh, NTU.org written by Damian Brady. And the headline says this, CBO's budget outlook projects massive rising tide of red ink. Let's start there, Pete. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, The numbers are mind-boggling. And if you hear too many of them, you start to say, well, what's the point of it? So I just want to emphasize a few points so that folks realize uh, how serious things are getting. Um, We are going to see the publicly held debt of the United States, according to the Congressional Budget Office's latest projections, soar to 110% of our annual economic output, more than $40 trillion in just 10 years. Now, there's also, of course, the debt that is intra- governmental. That is debt that is owed to the so-called trust funds of Social Security and Medicare. When you add that in, we are looking at a national debt that will exceed 140, even 150 percent of our annual economic output by the time 10 years are out. That is a serious number. There are very few industrialized countries in the world that have supported a debt level that high for long. Japan is one of the only ones. And if you think, well, they've done okay for themselves, think again. Uh, Japan had something in the 1990s called the lost decade, when their phenomenal economic growth ground to a halt, not only because of banking problems, but also borrowing by the government, high tax rates to try and stem some of the borrowing they needed to do to cover their overspending, that's a situation we may be facing even sooner than 10 years from now because not every debt crisis is some massive crash that you hear and suddenly everything goes bad. Many debt crises that we have seen throughout history simply simmer. They take a while and bit by bit, We experience slower and slower growth, less money in families' pockets, and then 10, 20 years of that, we wake up and say, wow, we've lost out on our prosperity. What happened? Pete, this might be kind of an ignorant question in a way. I guess I've just got kind of a simple mind. I'm not very economically savvy. But when you start throwing numbers around like that in the trillions of dollars, 
in the not only tens but hundreds of trillions of dollars or whatever. I can't even comprehend what a trillion dollars is, really, honestly. And, and I don't mean to be, like, so ignorant about this, but I just look at this and I go, it, can we even have these intelligent discussions about these kind of numbers? Is it even fathomable yeah. or, or understandable? Or Maybe I'm just confused, Pete. Yeah, it is very difficult, and that's one reason I think it's important to break these numbers down in things like percentages. When a family might say, well, um, I'm able to borrow uh, at least 100% of my annual income uh, in money from a bank, and I can afford to uh, pay all the interest on that. Well, okay, a family might be able to understand that and say, well, goodness, uh, that's too much money to borrow. Uh, we can't sustain it. Well, what if your government is borrowing 150% of the entire nation's annual economic output? That's bad news. Or what if your federal government is paying one out of every $7 in its budget toward interest? on the national debt. Imagine that um, if you uh, are owning a house and one out of every $7 that comes in your door is going just for interest on your mortgage, no principal, nothing. Um, that would be a pretty scary thought to a lot of people. And if we break it down that way and set aside billions, trillions, quadrillions, or whatever number you want to use, maybe we can be a little more cognizant of just how bad this borrowing crisis is getting with the federal government. I think percentages make a lot of difference. And I, I, I just, I, I don't mean to be difficult about this. I'm just saying you see all these ways people try to understand money. All these ways people try to understand these incomprehensible trailing zeros. But uh, percentages put it in perspective because it doesn't matter how big or small it is. You say, hey, is that percentage sustainable? And it clearly is not. The problem is it keeps going. And every time people say there's a crash and put a timeline on it, kind of like doomsday scenarios about the world, um, they always claim them, but they never come true. And so people yeah. like me just don't understand with all these zeros percentages not making sense you go how is this still continuing how long can it continue will there be a seat change and it won't continue at some point well we know from history all fiat currencies fail we know that you just can't have these numbers continually get worse nothing's really being done on a mass scale to change the game and so i i, I don't see what the future looks like pete yeah it can be very frustrating for folks like us who've witnessed this year after year, decade after decade. But I'll say this, there are many ways that we can not only avoid a crash, but that we can also begin to crawl out of these problems of stock markets booming and busting, of families having a hard time getting ahead. You know, those are all consequences of federal government overborrowing and overtaxing and overspending as well. Like I said, it may not be a crash that affects this great nation. It may just be a decline year after year. The fact that, uh, like Europe, we're going to be resigned to economic growth rates of 
one or two percent a year. We're going to be resigned to middle-class families having virtually no opportunities to go up the economic ladder. Uh, those are the kinds of things that can happen by a government that is being irresponsible. And it also, though, points to reason for optimism. If these effects are gradual, we can still gradually pull our way out of these problems. And all we have to do is really start to go down that road. Look at uh, Senator Rand Paul's penny plan. He's reintroducing that legislation and is going to make a hard push for it in the upcoming budget season and in the next Congress. That's one cent for each agency's budget getting cut per year. That is an achievable goal and equally important that sends a message to all of our creditors, to taxpayers, to the government agencies themselves that we are beginning the long crawl back to responsibility. It won't happen overnight, but if we stick with a plan like that, we'll get results over time. It's time is running out, but we still have some to avoid the crash if we start now. Pete, I think one of the things that I always find helpful when something seems so incomprehensible, something seems way beyond our ability to understand it. You know, IT um, is a lot this way when you troubleshoot IT projects, and I'm an IT professional for a living, and so I understand this. Uh, oftentimes what you do is you take things into pieces, one little piece at a time. You divide and conquer. And you say, you know what, I don't know about the whole thing. I just know let's start with this. Look, this has got a problem. Let's fix it. Or this part is not an issue at all. And I think the same thing is true economically speaking. From a, from a United States point of view or an international economic stage point of view, one of the ways to handle this is take it little teeny, some say, you know, the ele elephant is one bite at a time or whatever. And I think one of the things that we can do is just influence what we can understand and what we can make a difference on. And believe it or not, if enough people doing that, before you know it, very small things become large. The collaborative efforts become uh, way bigger than the sum of its parts. Synergism takes effect, and we, and we, and we see this, and pretty soon you go, wow, you know what? We're making a difference here. We're, we're gaining on it. And then as you gain on it, things start to become more clear and easier to solve. And, and, and you say, okay, wait a minute now. Um, here's where we are. Hold on. we got a misstep. we got to step back. Anyway, the reason I bring that whole thing up is Congress is coming home for the holidays. In my opinion, it's a great place to start in talking to your representatives, House members and or Senate members, and say, listen, we've got to work on this a little bit at a time. I know it seems daunting. I know it seems overwhelming. Uh, I know it seems even incomprehensible and, and that there's nothing we can do. But you know what? Let's start somewhere. And uh, when we get back, let's have Pete Sepp follow up on this point because I think we have an opportunity right now. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. The Epic 
www.freedomfactortimes.com. We at Freedom Factor have a passion for our shared American heritage and want to help restore some of that American pride by emphasizing the documents that made us Americans. Our goal is to put pocket constitutions into the hands of every American and in every school. This effort requires your help. Order your pocket constitutions and browse our website at freedomfactor.org to learn how you can help spread the message of freedom. Read it, know it, share it. Freedomfactor.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. Pete Sepp with me, president of the National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. You want to partner for solutions, it's NTU.org. Right before the break, I kind of painted a dismal picture of how daunting this is, and I don't mean to focus on the negative. I do mean to highlight, though, the real concerns of the American people and identify with them and, and validate the concerns, the overwhelming feeling we all get. I want to validate that feeling because it's real, it's legitimate. But I also wanted to spell that dishonest or false notion that we can do nothing about it and that, hey, the fat lady's already sung or that it's over. That isn't true, Pete. There's a lot we can do, and there's a lot we must do, sir. Yeah, there's absolutely a, quite a number of things we can do. And you just alluded to one of them, Sam, that, look, lawmakers are coming back to their districts and uh, their state offices for the Memorial Day break. And uh, they'll be doing so again near the 4th of July. They'll be doing so one more time in August, the uh, month-long recess. Those are all opportunities for taxpaying constituents to ask to see their lawmakers. If you can't do it uh, on the lawmakers' time, go see their staff. One of the reasons why Congress doesn't pay adequate attention to tax burdens, spending levels, as much as National Taxpayers Union tells them they should, is that many Americans feel there's nothing I can do about it, and Congress simply assumes that silence implies consent, and that is the last thing we can afford to do now. The more people who show up at the district offices and the state offices, and if they're visiting Washington, the federal offices, and say, this is the number one issue for me. You need to pay attention to it. Once that's on their radar screen, our job here at National Taxpayers Union becomes a lot easier. So that's one thing that folks can do right away or in the next several weeks. Not only is it something that you can do, ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that it's something that we must do, though. 
Look, Congress, the reason that they do what they do is they've got so many people, so many lobbyists bending their ears for different things. The lobby that's absent is we the people, uh, Pete. Yeah, it absolutely is. And uh, many times, all it will take is a handful of voices pushing back and saying, you have to stop listening to the special interests and listen to the national interest instead. And the national interest is the people who pay government's bills, not the people who take money from government. And we need to keep hammering home that message. At the same time, we need to work on the inside of Congress, that's National Taxpayers Union's job, to prepare for the inevitable adjustments we're going to have to make to spending and borrowing in this country. I mean requiring generational accounting estimates for the cost of every bill. The Congressional Budget Office provides an estimate of how much outlays will increase by a given proposal if it were to become law. We need to make sure that we're no longer just projecting out five years, but rather across an entire generation. What will creating a new program do to taxpayers 20 years from now, not just five years from now? We introduce that, that members of Congress and their constituents are going to be able to more thoughtfully evaluate these bills. We need to start doing things like uh, what are called confidence intervals. That means when uh, the, the budget office gives an estimate, they also have to give us uh, their relative certainty of the estimate. Are they 60% sure, 100% sure of these effects? That will also put us on a more equal footing with the people who want to spend money rather than us who want to save money. Um, there are a number of lessons we can learn from state and local taxpayer campaigns. You know, Californians faced a hopeless situation with property taxes in their state, and they worked on Proposition 13. They failed twice before finally getting this measure passed at the polls. Uh, that happened in Colorado, in Michigan, in Missouri. All of those places have experienced defeat, but they've also succeeded, and they've turned their state's economies around by putting into place fiscal discipline, constitutional tax and expenditure limits, or uh, even less ambitious measures that still make a difference. We can translate some of that experience to the federal level. Uh, constitutional amendments are a tough thing at the federal level. That doesn't mean we can't push things like the penny plan that I just alluded to. Those are going to be front and center if we make them that way when there's a new Congress in 2023. But we've got to start talking about it now while we have the preparatory time especially to tell Republicans, if you want to lead the next Congress and you think you're going to win the elections and be able to do that, this is your first job. Get a handle again on federal spending. Your first job, not fifth, not tenth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to your congressmen and senators when they're back from um, Washington, D.C. on recess or whatever, there's a lot of ways we can go about things. There's a lot of solutions that you can focus on. 
Um, there's a lot of ways to go about this, but Pete Sepp has kind of highlighted this Rand Paul Penny plan. I think this is a real critical piece because what we don't want to do is just go and complain. What we want to do is go with a solution in hand to these people. Say, you know what? Hey, Congressman. Hey, Senator. CBO's budget outlook projects massive rising tide of red ink. We don't want that on our watch, Congressman, Senator. So please consider Dr. Rand Paul's. He introduces his, quote, penny plan and a balanced budget. These are viable solutions that we could really talk about. Now, I know on Capitol Hill, when, when Rand spoke about it, he got kind of ignored by his representatives and colleagues and whatever you want to say, state or House and Senate kind of ignored it. But if enough people pushed and said this is what we really want to focus on, it would, it would gain ground. It would become center stage or on the kitchen table for discussion. We've got to come with solutions in hand, and I think that's one of the best ones. It doesn't matter if you're right, left, or anything else. Look, we're talking about saving a penny which is big money, and then we're talking about doing it over and over and over and over until we see real progress, a very simple um, plan that wouldn't hurt anybody. Pete? Yeah, exactly. That's a great place to start. And, again, we're breaking it down so that everybody can understand. A penny on the dollar. We don't care whether the actual volume of dollars is a trillion, uh, half a billion, whatever, A penny on the dollar is what we want to save, and we want to keep doing it year after year. And speaking of bipartisanship, just three years ago, a Congressional Budget Reform Act was introduced and passed out of committee by a Republican, Senator Mike Enzi, and a Democrat, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. A fantastic bill. The Senate did not vote on it. But there, again, is an off-the-shelf piece of legislation that could be reintroduced under Republican leadership with Democratic support, and that could get done in the early days of the next Congress, again, if we, the people, elevate the problem of overspending and overborrowing to the top of the agenda. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There's so many solutions. Um, it's hard to focus on all of them. I like the penny plan because I think it's simple to explain. I think there's actually quite a bit of backing. There's more backing for it than people realize, even though it got shut down in the Senate, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if if Republicans are going to be serious about fiscal policy leadership, and who knows what the election results are actually going to bring, but If indeed they do win the election and come to power promising a difference, well, the biggest difference that they can deliver on is turning around the fiscal ship, which is running into icebergs day after day. And Republicans have been steering it, if if only partially, with Democrats. Well, now is the time for them to stand up and say, here's what's going to be different. If we take over, Uh, this is, again, not a partisan thing because both political parties have let down taxpayers severely. But the next one that wants to control Congress, Democrat or Republican, needs to explain to taxpayers what they are going to do to change this horrible outline of events that the Congressional Budget Office has just given us. 
All right. We're about out of time. Any final words for everybody really quick? I've seen many failures in our movement, but a lot of successes. If we start out modestly, all together in the same direction, we can succeed. I've always heard it's like all of us pushing on the flywheel at the same spot. Before you know it, you get critical mass, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Pete Sepp. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack will testify before the Senate Agriculture Committee starting this hour for more on the baby formula shortage investigation. President Trump confirmed in a statement Wednesday that he still intends to speak at an annual meeting of the National Rifle Association, which is set to take place in Houston later this week. Singer of American Pie Don McLean was scheduled to perform at the NRA event. He pulled out after the shooting in Uvalde, Texas on Tuesday. The NRA's annual convention will take place from May 27th through the 29th. Texas Governor Greg Abbott Wednesday on the Uvalde shooter and his social media postings. He said... I'm going to shoot my grandmother. The second post was, I shot my grandmother. The third post, maybe less than 15 minutes before arriving at the school, was, I'm going to shoot an elementary school. USA Radio News. Paid for by government.com. Have you heard? The United States Mint has issued the Morgan Silver Dollar for the first time in 100 years. Not only that, but they are also minted in 99.9% pure silver for the first time ever in history. Coin experts are calling this an amazing opportunity for anyone that knows the enduring popularity of Morgans. But you must hurry. Only 175,000 legal tender silver dollars were issued. These Morgan Silver Dollars are brand new, bright and shiny legal tender coins minted by the iconic Philadelphia Mint. Just call one 800-888-7630 and you're guaranteed a new 99.9% pure silver Morgan dollar. The first time in history this has happened. But with limited quantities you must call now to order. To learn more, call 1-800-888-7630. If you order now, you will receive a free collector bonus, a $25 value free with every order. Call 1-800-888-7630 now to secure your new Morgan silver dollars before they are gone. That's 1-800-888-7630. Student and youth organizers for the March of Our Lives gun control movement are planning nationwide protests following the Texas elementary school shooting, including a march on Washington, D.C. on June 11th. Organizers and activists plan to meet with lawmakers in the Capitol from June 7th to June 10th and push for universal background checks. March for Our Lives has several other protests planned around the country, from San Francisco, California to Greenville, South Carolina. There's a problem with signatures in Michigan politics. A fraudulent petition signatures report has been referred to Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel on Wednesday. A suspected signature forgery operation is compromising ballot placement for 19 candidates in Michigan, including four of nine Republican gubernatorial hopefuls. A 10th candidate withdrew from the race on Monday. Michigan's Board of State canvassers, which will accept or deny those signatures, will meet on Thursday. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau. I'm Katie Lewis. USA Radio News. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. 
All right, live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman breaking it down like nobody's business. First hour, we talked about the economy with Brian Rust, RustCreditGift.com, and Kelly Finnegan doing a phenomenal job. We talked about the Honest Money Report, as we always do, but we also talked about uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google are flush with cash and positioned to simply become more powerful and even stronger, despite the fact that they have lost $2.7 trillion of value since the start of the year alone. We then talked about this shooter. Texas school shooter Salvador Ramos posted about attack on Facebook. Officers responding to the scene shot Ramos dead. Is the second uh, it's recorded as the second bi- biggest school shooting in U.S. history, but he bought his guns locally at a gun store, legally. And I submit to you that they're ignoring the pattern of this. Here's the pattern. Government officials miss this every time. They always want these uh, red flag laws so that they can stop these shooters. But look, this guy had mental problems. Everybody around him knew that he was deteriorating. Uh, he was, uh, you know... All the patterns are there for Salvador Ramos. Absent father. Mother on drugs. Violent video gamer. Victim of bullying. Obsessed loner. The predictable pattern continues. Right? Okay, every time we see the same thing and every time they come back and say we got to get rid of guns for the good guys. But I submit the only way we stopped the bad guy was with a gun from a good guy. That's how it stopped. That's how he was shot dead. Just imagine if we had a good guy there faster. In other words, if the American people, the good guys, were armed to the teeth, and the second somebody went berserk with a gun, they were just stopped instantly. There's a church shooting that took place that highlights what I'm, what I'm pointing out. I don't have it in front of me right now, but look, folks, this is serious. Okay, was the shooter on psychotropic drugs? We don't know. Uh, But we know that he had problems with females. We know that he was a loner. We know that he was an avid, violent gamer. We know, okay, the pattern's the same every single time. Young, impressionable, bullied gentleman, dissatisfied with life, mental illnesses and conditions. But look, he put signs of this all over social media. Why do they have a January 6th person in jail who meant no harm, who wanted to go to stop the election fraud taking place in America. Why do we have that person in prison over January 6th calling them an insurrectionist and a terrorist, but yet this guy can literally post everywhere under the sun. Hey, I'm going to go shoot my grandma. Hey, I killed my grandma. Now I'm going to go to the school and shoot everybody up. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. I'm going to. And he talked about it. How come none of the false flag, or I'm sorry, none of the red flag laws helped with this. He bought his guns legally. Uh, nobody was really doing anything about his deteriorating mental condition. Everybody said so. Okay, everybody. He was talking to a girl online ahead of time uh, that, you know, whatever. He was a bullied guy. He stuttered. He, every single sign's there. But the government, of course, missed it again. And what they want to do is take away your rights and my rights to supposedly solve the problem. You see the disconnect, ladies and gentlemen? I bring this up, and then they say I'm a gun-toting terrorist, huh? See how they are? See what dishonesty you see? Look, we need the new media to take center stage and deal with this, folks. That's what we need. All right. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I'm going to go to this, though. You know, we talked about Dr. Rand Paul introduces Penny Plan 
Paul's three-penny plan would balance budget in five years. Again, he wants to take three cents away each time. Or at the beginning was one cent, and then it was two, three, four, five cents, whatever it is, and reduce the deficit, reduce the budget, reduce the spending. It's the only common sense way forward, but nobody's listening to Rand. They just mock the good doctor. They just mock the senator and ignore him and, and vote down his proposals every time. Meanwhile, there's no solutions on the table. But look, it'll be that way until we, the American people, decide we're going to put enough pressure on our political bureaucrats that serve us. Okay, we got to do it. Until we do this, look, you can't have 50 people make a difference. How many times do I got to make this point? You've got to have greater numbers. Until you get the greater numbers, you will not see a sea change. You will not. I don't mean to be negative. I don't mean to be, I'm being real. Real is this. You've got to have enough people involved in the game, involved in the fight, involved in the, uh, the battle, involved in the, the right choices for things to go right. You just have to. All right, good for Rand Paul introducing the penny plan. At least we've got somebody to introduce it. Now we just need enough people to back it, right? All right, there's a new headline, a new poll out. More than 80% of people are dissatisfied with the direction that the United States is going, according to a Gallup poll. It was released on Tuesday. They say just 16% of Americans of those polled, if you will, are satisfied with the direction of the country. And it turned out that 83% of the nation said they were dissatisfied. Now, I know it's a poll. I know it's, uh, who is it, Gallup poll? Yeah. Uh, A Gallup poll released Tuesday. Um, I get it. But people are not happy with the direction of the country. You wonder why, right? Look, they're promoting pro-death for babies. There's no accountability. They're spinning us into oblivion. They're locking us down. The economy's in shambles. Inflation is pervasive and everywhere, ubiquitous. Uh, and and they're, they're kind of shocked that we're not happy with the direction of the country. Joe's a mess. He can't even hardly talk. You can't understand what he's talking about at all, right? I mean, are you surprised about that people are not happy? In my opinion, how do you make things right? How do you make people happy? How do you? I say the only way is to turn to God, family, and country. But then I bring that up and they say, oh, you're a whack job. You're a nutcase. You're a loony bin terrorist. You're a racist. You're a, and, and the labels just persist. I mean, I'm bullied by the media and bullied by the administration. I say, I don't want vaccinations. They say, oh, my gosh, how dare you? I say, I don't believe you in your climate change lies. I believe the climate's changing. I just don't believe government ought to get ahead of it and control everybody because of it. Then they say, oh, man, we ought to arrest you. You're not allowed to say that. That's peddling fake news. Right? It's hard to know where you go from that, right? Anyway, I find it fascinating, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that we have a situation where, hey, people are dissatisfied with the country massively, right? But I see a revolving door going on, too, don't you? The revolving door continues, ladies and gentlemen. Miss Saki or Jen Saki is that how you say her name? That's Biden's, quote, top press liaison. Well, it turns out that she will join MSNBC as a host so this is what i mean the revolving door continues now you're gonna have more misfits in the media 
peddling their lies, well, they go ahead and claim that we're the ones that are lying. We're the ones that are peddling misinformation. But they peddled their misinformation for decades. And as long as the American people don't really do anything about it, (laughs) you can expect it just to stay the same, right? But look, there's not enough people against it or doing anything about it. Most folks are just ho-hum. They don't care. And they won't care. You know? Now think about, let me give you an example. Headline, too slow. FDA admits delayed response to complaints about U.S. baby formula plants. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Why is the government involved in baby formula in the first place? See, they say the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's FDA's initial response to complaints about baby infant formula plants are too slow. And some decisions could have been more optimal, the FDA's top official said, while facing a grilling from lawmakers on Wednesday. This commissioner, Dr. Robert Califf, appeared before a congressional panel to answer questions about what led to the biggest formula shortage in U.S. history. Right? Why is the government involved in baby formula in the first place? Okay, I don't mean to be rude, but you know what? Why are we worried about the FDA's investigation, the FDA's timing, the FDA's... Look, until you get rid of the FDA entirely, you're going to have this bogus government slow response, but why are we looking to government in the first place to solve the problem? See, I'm convinced we look in all the wrong places. You know, you've heard this, looking for love and all the wrong... Look, that's what we're doing. Why are we doing that? All right, hang tight. I am Sam Bushman. This is indeed Liberty Roundtable Live. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips, man. Time flies when you're having fun. Another radio will be in the can. Another radio episode, two hours of hard-hitting talk will be in the can in mere minutes. So hang tight for that. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? 
Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, why some of my seals are gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So I really want to know this. I really want the answer. Why are we the people looking to government to deal with baby formula? Where constitutionally speaking should we be looking at government for baby formula you say well wait a minute sam the u.s fda the united states food and drug administration they got to look into everything they got to control everything no i don't think so where in the constitution does it even give uh, authority to create a food and drug administration at all number one number two when has the food and drug administration done any good to protect us See, I really don't see it at all. The, the U.S. FDA's initial response to complaints about the formula was way too slow and not optimal, they admit. Okay, fine, now what? Oh, well, the only answer is to give them more money to solve the problem? Is that what we're talking about? It's, it's just a, 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 a disgrace, folks, right? And that's what we're dealing with. But I think the sooner we go ahead and jettison the narrative that we should be depending on and or looking to the government for solutions is the is the starting point. Right? Right? Anyway, I just look at the whole thing and I go, man, it doesn't just make any sense to me. And then we do the same thing over and over and over. And we wonder why it's going off the rails and stuff, right? When it's just baffling to me. All right, there you have that. So Miss Sauke going to be in the media. MSNBC gets her own show, and she'll have a lot of influence, folks. That's how the revolving door works. They give influence. And then, of course, you and I might attack the FDA, but she'll defend the FDA. And who gets the coverage? The big media, all funded by your government, revolving door, all within and by your government, right? Anyway, I thought I'd bring that to your attention. All right, 18 major airlines. And FAA and the DOT, Department of Transportation, to be sued, that's right, over COVID vaccine mandates, ladies and gentlemen. First lawsuit against Atlas Air has been filed, and they have plans to sue all major airlines. What do you think? I think it's necessary. I think the government doesn't have any constitutional right to, one, be involved in airlines and air travel in the first place. 
Okay, remember that's what the airlines are one of the most controlled environments in America today. Why does the government control the friendly skies? That's a problem. But this idea that we're going to mandate and do it unconstitutional is all get out. So anyway, I'm really happy about 18 major airlines, the FAA and the Department of Transportation, or DOT, if you will, to be sued over COVID-19 mandates, first lawsuit. Going to sue, plans to sue all airlines. Now, on one hand, I want to sue the airlines. On the other hand, it's hard for me to blame the airlines, right? How do you kind of handle that? How do you decide, is it the airline's fault? Yeah. Okay, the problem is these airlines forced these mandates on employees and violated religious and medical liberties. There was over 100 plaintiffs in the first volley in litigation. They say fundamentally this case is whether about whether Americans should be forced to choose between their livelihoods and being coerced into taking experimental dangerous medical treatments. Yeah. It's also about the safety of America's airlines and airline industry. Should pilots under the Federal Aviation Administration be required to be some of the most healthy workers in the country normally be required to take experimental vaccinations? And should they be allowed to fly in the skies and those who reject such a course forced out of their jobs? It's a great questions. Great lawsuit. Great reality check. Here's the real question that I have. Will they get a fair shake in the media? Or will they just be attacked as extremists? See, where do we go from here? When it comes to this, right? That's the problem. That's the problem we're facing as far as I can tell. Um, I pray for them in this lawsuit. But frankly, I don't have a lot of confidence that we can turn this around and do anything. The lawsuit's great, but the courts will dismiss it. And the, uh, the average Joe, the average American will be like, ho-hum. That's too bad we lost that one, golly. Right? Let me give you an example. They're mad at us for peddling uh, the truth about climate change, that it's bogus, that it's a lie, that government shouldn't be able to insert itself uh, as the decision maker in all this. They say, oh, my gosh, we're going to arrest you. How dare you speak out against climate change saying that it's not real. But now there's, quote, an inconvenient truth. Wasn't the name of Al Gore's movie, right? An inconvenient truth. And he wanted you to believe there's global warming. And the inconvenient truth documented it. Now there's an inconvenient truth for globalists. Inconvenient truth for globalists. You ready? Arctic ice is at a 30-year high. Data contradicts the idea of rising COVID or CO2 levels. CO2 levels. Art Moore with the piece from World Net Daily doing a great job. All right. Here's the details. All right. It starts out with pictures. So you can see what they're talking about. The World Economic Forum and Globalist Movement that has helped lead the, quote, climate crisis and the COVID-19 pandemic as pretexts 
for measures to redistribute the wealth of nations and individuals. Turns out that as they're in Davos, Switzerland, it looks like uh, ICE is expanding at a 30-year high. Yeah. What do you think about that? All right. I guess there's an international convention signed by 30 European nations. And they say the extent of the Arctic ice during the water months long has been a claim for climate change and alarmists. Uh, And Al Gore uh, in 2007 began a warning about this meltdown. But it turns out that it's all bogus. What he said isn't true. So now it turns out that the Arctic Ocean has created a greater amount of sea ice. Wow. They say most years the Arctic loses ice. But this year ice has increased. Of course, the news won't be reported by the mainstream press media, right? Yeah. Is climate change a way to control the populace? And that's the problem. I think that's what we're really facing. That's what we're really dealing with. This lie, right? That's the real lie, the real takeaway. Is climate change merely a way to control the populace? I think that World Net Daily has got a poll on this. And I normally don't even take the polls, but in this case, I just took it. I just took the poll. Okay, everybody believes for the most part that yes, it is a way to control the population. And that's the problem that I have with it. It isn't a situation where we, you know, we're debating on uh, opinions. There's enough facts here. All right, this inconvenient truth for the globalists is a fact. Arctic ice is at a 30-year high. Data contradicts connection with rising levels of co2 story by art Moore wnd doing a great job this is what i'm talking about where do we go when they just complain everything we say and do is peddling false information but more and more and more evidence shows that we're right and they're not what are we going to do about this Are we going to allow them just to spread their propaganda? I think it is a propaganda reality. Now, I'm not for locking them down and saying they can't say or think or do what they want to do. They can, right? But it doesn't mean that I have to be part of it. I have to tell the truth, okay? And I'm just telling you now, there's experts that are now challenging this climate change narrative. And they're doing it with scientific-based evidence. But what your government's going to do is just say, oh, that's fake science. You can't say that, right? That's propaganda. But how do you deal with that? How do you deal with getting the truth out, accurate science out? And is so-called climate change merely a way? To control the populace? See, I think that's what it's coming down to. It's not that the government has a problem with this. 
In fact, I almost want to really just challenge the environmentalists right now and say, what do you suggest I do to really make a difference in climate change? Do I have to get rid of my car? If I get rid of my car, how am I going to get my groceries? See, there's practical discussions that need to take place, whether you believe or disbelieve climate change, whether you believe that government must mandate and do something different about it. or Look, practical rules today. How am I going to run my computer all day long and work like I do? How are we going to have the, quote, gig in the digital economy? What about toilets and cars and all the things? How can I, can I change my life to truly be environmentally friendly? And what would my life look like if I did? I think the buck stops with honest questions and answers, a real discussion. But see, I can't get into a real discussion about climate change with anybody if my life depends on it. They won't engage with me. But then they'll run around and say we're afraid to have these discussions, right? Isn't that how it is? It's basically like they say, hey, you know what? Um, White people won't talk about race. They just won't talk about race. They're too afraid, they say. But then a guy like me says, I'm ready to discuss race with you and go on a national tour and talk about it. And then what am I met with? Silence? That's right. They just meet me with silence. We're not really even going to talk about that. So the truth is on our side, ladies and gentlemen. And the truth is we've got to get more people to pay attention to the new media taking center stage. As we do so, there's great hope, in my opinion. There's great hope for solutions. But if people don't listen to the right media and right information, they're spending their time running around so duped, wasting time. So it's going to take getting involved in the new media taking center stage. We need funding. We need financial support. And if any of you out there who can help, please, libertyroundtable.com, donate liberally today. Lovingliberty.net, spread the word. Brighteonradio.com. Thank them. Give them the support. We all need it, folks. This is a big world out there and a lot of news to cover, and it's expensive to do so. Every penny you give us will be used in the sacred cause of truth-telling as we promote God, family, and country. After all, I'm the one that declares this nation shall endure. And God save the Republic of the United States of America. America. 